Hey guys, and welcome to Quality Shot. I'm extremely excited to be joined by Gil Gross, and we're going to be talking about Indian Wells, the ATP and WTA side. Gil, how are you doing? I'm good. Great to be back. Let's uh, let's talk some tennis. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Obviously, you were, we were just saying that you were at Indian Wells as well. So uh, quickly, how, how was it? Uh, you said it was beautiful, uh, but yeah, give us some insight. Yeah, that desert's something else the the landscape and it's always you can always kind of see it sometimes you're on a the grounds of a tournament and you have this kind of tennis bubble where you're not really feeling the surroundings and i mean i think that's true at the u.s open at roland garros uh even even at wimbledon right wimbledon like it feels like a very special place but you don't really you don't really have the context of what's around you when you're at indian wells you really feel your surroundings uh, with the the mountains on the horizon and the way the dry air feels in the desert and even just how much space there is because that's not a problem because uh, there's nothing really out there. And the, the fans that Indian Wells draws are really, really passionate about tennis because nobody is really local there. It's all people who are going to the event, either traveling from like even L.A. is like two and a half hours away. So it's a hassle to get over there. Not a lot of people live out there. The people who are there love their tennis. And that's another thing that you can feel. So great, uh, great grounds as well. So, yeah, my, my favorite part was the golf buggies taking the place of the court. <laughs> that's my favorite part. <laughs> I just love the the little video, and they you've got both. It's like finalists, and they're back to back, like on a golf buggy. It's just so you never ever see something like that in sport. It's great to see. Uh, absolutely love it. To be fair, um, but yeah, it just looks like a phenomenal tournament. So hopefully one day I'll be able to visit it. But yeah, obviously on the men's side. A surprise winner for sure. Uh, hometown boy. I know you said obviously um, Las Vegas, well, Los Angeles, sorry, even is quite far, uh, still at, at least two hours from Indian Wells, but he's, I guess, as local as you're going to get, uh, unless uh, he, you live in the very nearby area. And he obviously got it done, Taylor Fritz. And Rafa Nadal obviously losing in the final there. And then uh, Shriontek, who's been in phenomenal form. I mean, she's gone back to back winning Doha and also now here. So she hasn't lost the Masters 1000 match yet. So she's in some pretty damn good form as well. Uh, what were your takes? Well, actually, what were your predictions as well? Because I'm don't. i I'm pretty sure I have listened to videos, but what were your predictions before the tournament? I thought Nadal would win mm, on, yeah. um, on the men's side. I actually did think Ego would win on the women's. Uh, and then my men's semifinals were rough. I didn't get, I mean, it was... It was not the most predictable tournament, but I went with John <laughs> Isner on okay. the bottom half because uh, I liked the matchup against Schwartzman and yeah. Rublev. I overlooked Dimitrov. I just wasn't really thinking about that match at all. Uh, and then I went with Felix. I just thought he was in great form. Yep. Botic played great in that first round match. And I didn't, you know, the conditions are a little slow for Felix. I overlooked yeah. that. Uh, but I, yeah, obviously FAA loses a tough match against, uh, Botic who played really well. And then in, and then I had CT pass in that half where, or that quarter where there were tons of upsets, right? Cause you know, if it wasn't CT pass, then it would have been who was in there. Uh, it was Zverev in there yeah, as well. The, yeah. yeah. So Zverev loses CT pass loses and, uh, it ends up being 
who came out of there? Uh, oh, oh, that Fritz. was Fritz. That was Fritz, Fritz. Yeah. So I had no, no, because Fritz was in Felix's quarter. I thought. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, Kyrgios came three against. That was against Nadal. That was one of the quarters. Would be in Rublev. Um, oh God, it tested my knowledge. So it was, well. it was, it was, uh, Carlos. It was Alcaraz. Oh, Alcaraz, of course. Yeah. Yes. He made the semis. Yeah. Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, so Dimitrov was there. As well. Oh, Manovic as well. That was really surprising. Kemauj, That's Kemauj, dark, that, was, that was a Monday match yeah. analysis, Dark Horse. Oh, really? Kechma- okay. Yeah, Kechmanovic and Kyrgios were Dark Horses. Yeah, and Nori, obviously, reigning champ in the quarter as well with Alcaraz. That was a quality match. I love that one as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, to be fair, like so many of the favorites dropped off pretty early. And then we saw a nice little run from Kyrgios, which was nice to see. Uh, probably actually... Uh, might be a bit of a bold statement, but probably the best week of tennis I've seen him play uh, ever. I think genuinely, like from me. But but what were your what were your kind of uh, thoughts on Kyrgios? We'll start with him first because I think obviously he's quite an exciting player. And we saw uh, a really good match against Nadal as well. But going into that, I mean, how how well do you think he was playing? And is it a is it like oh this is he's turned a corner a little bit? Uh, although we're going to be going into the clay court swing, is he even going to play it? We don't know. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Nick said he's not going to play it. So yeah, I know he did. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, coming in, I was kind of reading into social media a little bit, and I thought that maybe I'd I'd look silly for doing so, but he just seemed genuinely really happy. He seemed that way for a little while, and you have a situation where he needs rankings points pretty desperately. He's in a good place. He's ready to compete. And I just think he came to this event in a good state of mind. I also thought he played really good tennis against Medvedev in Australia. And he played great against Brody in the first round. So what we've seen from Kyrgios in 2022, not just here at Indian Wells, but anytime he's taken the court in 2022, it's been good. And another part Another factor is health where, you know, his knee is feeling a little bit better. He, he went on this run of losses last summer. He lost to Nori, Mackie McDonald, Opelka and Bautista good at the U S open where I think his knee was bothering him mm-hmm. and he's not the kind of player who is going to fight through injury very well. He's just going to get annoyed yeah. and bogged down mentally. So, the question is how sustainable is the mental state for Kyrgios right now? How sustainable is it that he's going to, you know, be in a good mood uh, basically because he, he seems happy and that's just helping him on the court. Yeah, no, I agreed. I mean, the, it's undoubtedly the ta- talents there. We've, I think we've mentioned it a few times, but the mental state, isn't it? As you said, it's just so key at this level. Like if he wants to be competing on the big boys and we saw him against Nadali, Yes, there were a few like flashpoints where obviously he smashed the racket and, you know, obviously with the crowd a little bit. But for the most part, he kept it cool enough to obviously, you know, win the second set and come to the third set and, you know, actually be competitive. And at that point, actually, the commentators were saying they thought he'd win the third set because of the level of tennis he was playing. Nadal just found a way. But yeah, I agree. I think this whole year he's been pretty impressive. And hopefully, I'm assuming, as you said, we won't see him on the clay, which is a bit of a disappointment. But you know, we'll see. Hopefully he's kind of, it looks as well like he's training. I don't want to say that he doesn't train hard, but it just looks like he is really enjoying it 
And on court, you can see that as well because some balls that she wouldn't even bother chasing down when you try and hit, like, you know, he'd hit a hot dog rather than kind of getting around it. He's actually getting around it now. He's actually believing, oh, I, I think he always believed he could beat players, but he's actually wanting to win. The competitive edge is there, not just to say, I want to go out there and enjoy it, which is great, but I want to go out there and enjoy it and have fun and try and actually win matches and go as deep as I can. Yeah, what he what he's had is intensity. He's just yeah. trying hard. It's very kind of simple that way with his footwork and his shot selection and his movement. He's putting a hundred percent effort in yeah. in every match, and that was true against again Medvedev in Australia as well, and it was true against Nadal. Now, was do I think he was feeling the stress mentally in that quarterfinal against Rafa? Yeah, did he handle it well? Probably not. Like there are still going to be some issues with Nick mentally. He's still going to be volatile. I don't think he thinks the game all that well, and he doesn't really feel matches very well. I think he needed to play a little bit safer uh, at portions of the Nadal match when when Rafa was struggling, and I don't even think he recognized that Nadal was struggling when he was. But the effort is there. The intensity is there. So even if the composure, the composure might never exist for Kyrgios. Hmm. He might always be a total loose cannon, but he's going to be able to have success if the effort is there. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And then on to the champion, then on, on Taylor Fritz. I mean, fantastic win. First Masters 1000 tournament. If I'm not mistaken, his first Master 1000 final as well. I'm pretty sure he hasn't made one before. So um, that was really, yep. really impressive as well. So one and one against one of the goats as well, nonetheless. Uh, yes, Nadal, okay, yeah, might not have been 100%, but that's not up to him. He got it done. He was clinical. Uh, and what was really impressive, I thought, for me was his semi-final against Rublev, who was on, I think, what, 11-match unbeaten streak. He'd mm -hmm. won multiple tournaments. Um, I think went on that run since losing the final of Rotterdam to Felix. Uh, went on this ridiculous run, did really well, I thought, in the semi-final. Uh, won in straight sets in what was a real seesaw match. And then got, when it came to the final, commentators were saying, oh, Nadal's going to be... Oh, he's going to be fine, and the pectoral muscle is fine, and all but Fritz's ankle looks quite ginger. Doesn't I'm not sure how he's going to hold up, and he just came out, and it was like four hands at ninety miles an hour into corners straight away, broke Nadal, and then it kind of just from there on, he was just com oh well, I don't want to say comfortable because of course there were competitive games, but in the end, got it done in straight sets, so kind of he will be really happy with that. Yeah, I, I mean he. He held his nerve, which has been an issue for him. I think ever mm. since last fall at Indian Wells, he's been playing an incredible level for the most part. And he's learning kind of what, how he, he's learned how he needs to play, the level of aggressiveness, the offensive tennis, the power tennis, especially getting comfortable doing that on his forehand because his backhand has always been kind of his more comfortable yeah. shot. Now now he's starting to really crush the forehand, and he has been. And plain and simple, he's hitting the ball as well as anyone on tour right now. He's not going to move as well, but he's hitting the ball as well as anyone. What was most impressive to me in the match is that at the end of the second set, Nadal started moving pretty well, defending really well, he didn't have the offensive game going, but he was asking a lot of difficult questions of Taylor Fritz and Fritz continued to swing fast 
swing out and and play his game, his aggressive, high-powered game, uh, even in the big moments, and played a really, really good tie break. So that was most impressive to me because I, I think Fritz has had the level for a while, but the head has gotten in the way, like against Tsitsipas in Australia. Yeah. Thought he should have won that match, just got tight at the end of sets over and over again. Um, and that just shows the fact that he didn't get nervous and start decelerating shows that he has a, a next, another level of belief in himself. He now feels so confident in the work that he, that he's put in and the player who he is, that he no longer has those doubts creep in at the end. Yeah, agreed. I mean, the break, as you said, he, he was clutch. I thought, uh, it could have gone either way. It was, I think, five all at one point, and he came. Boy, he came through really impressively. Um, the power game is definitely there. The forehand looks a lot more potent than it has in the past, and I think, yeah, the confidence is. Well, he's exuding confidence. To be fair, he really has been for a, a good kind of six months. And the Australian Open match against Sitsipas, as you said, I was watching it kind of point by point, and yeah, he should have won that. I think he was playing a really good level, but. When it really mattered, as you said, he kind of fell away a little bit. The nerves got to him. But yeah, he's been a lot more solid, I think, mentally, uh, which is really good to see. And he keeps on going from strength to strength as well, to be fair to him. I know uh, you mentioned in the past about him kind of squeezing the most out of himself in terms of his ability and really maximizing his potential. Um, it's almost quite hard to know exactly where that is now because he continually, I think, surprises and improves. Um I don't. I didn't know if he would be able to play this type of level of tennis. To be perfectly honest with you, and the fact that he is playing it is really impressive. We always known, okay, yeah, he can hit the 140 mile per hour serve into the corners. We know that, okay, yes, this is the serve as a weapon. But like for example, the way he returned, I thought this one was really good. I thought it was really impressive. Uh, the way that he tried to be very positive um, against Rublev against Nadal, it was a bit different. I mean, his speeds were down by about 15 to 20 miles per hour, but even then. Uh, he was returning really well in terms of depth and then direction. Um, and the intent, positive intent was there at all times. He wasn't trying to just kind of, you know, skate in the in the rallies. He was saying, no, I'm going to be the aggressor. I'm going to be on the front foot. And then I want to be the one uh, to dictate in the points. And he was able to do that really effectively, uh, which was great to see. And I think clearly, as you mentioned, his backhand uh, is probably his more comfortable side. He doesn't seem to have too many issues against Nadal's forehand. Um, with that two-hander, he doesn't mind taking it on the rise. Whereas, of course, a lot of right-handers have that issue with the back, with the forehand to backhand exchange. But for him, he looks pretty comfortable. So uh, that looks like a matchup going forward, which will be, uh, you know, he'll take a lot from that uh, as well. But yeah, really impressive tournament. And I mean, he's starting to knock on the door of the top ten now. I think he's ranked. No, he is. He's already in the top ten. I'm pretty no, sure. No, uh, I think there was a mistake. I think the oh, ATP put him in there on their website and i don't think it's accurate <laughs> yeah so i thought he was um i thought he'd gone to 15 or 13 was. maybe or 15 yeah okay let's see yeah, what yeah. the live uh but because uh, i saw him at eight and i said how could he have risen that far up the rankings i was like wow um but either way i mean look he's trending in the right direction isn't he which is great to see and um it'll be interesting to see him in miami as well how well does he recover his ankle etc but positive signs for him for sure um and he's starting to lead the pack now isn't he he kind of seems like he might be the one this year to kind of lead the americans potentially and be the first one to break the top 10 
Yeah, probably unless Opelka has something to say about it or maybe Brooksby can have something to say about it. It, it is looking that way. He's definitely the most polished. Like Fritz is someone who's had a, a lot of development. It's been a long road. He's gotten better and better little by little. And I think th there might be, from a, a ceiling perspective, a Brooksby or an Opelka or a Corda might reach higher peaks at some point. But as far as 2022 is concerned, I think Fritz is the is the player who is who has the most polish on his game. I'll put it that way. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely the more kind of complete player at this moment in time, for sure, as you said. Um, and good to see him. I think he clearly works so hard at his game. Uh, he really does. And it's great to see. Uh, on the Nadal front, I mean, he had it pretty tough first round. We mentioned Americans. Corder, I mean, he played so well in that match. He will surely be at home uh, for about, well, for the next few days. He would have been sitting there thinking, oh, man, that could have been the my career-defining moment where, okay, I beat Nadal there, and I'm like, okay, here we go. You know, go pretty deep in Indian Wells, and, you know, who knows from there, and it kind of kick-starts it. He's such a talent, but I just want to touch upon that. I mean, how heart-wrenching would that be? 5 two, seven for the set. Yes, Nadal came back, great, but let's be honest, I think Korda bottled that one big time. Well, he did because he, he missed a ton. I will say, I thought Korda played a pretty, pretty good game at 5-4, serving for the match and Nadal hit three backhand passing shots. And one of them was kind of routine. Two of them were really tough. Uh, the, the one that went cross court in the lob. So got to credit Rafa there. I don't think it was too surprising. I know that sounds kind of funny, but the fact that quarter was going to start missing a lot, given the style he was playing the moment that he was in, and the kind of player he is, you know, Corda can make a lot of errors sometimes. It's not like it's not like Nadal was playing Roberto Bautista Agut, who started making a bunch of unforced errors. Like it's kind of in Corda's game that this will sometimes happen. So uh Rafa made him earn everything. He made him play. I thought that the five four game again was great by Nadal, but yeah, it's uh it's gonna be a learning experience for Corda. How do I manage my my nerves and my game next time I'm in that situation? I kind of like that he kept going after the ball, though. He didn't dial back the aggression. He kept swinging out. He just started missing. So it, it it's tough. You know, I, I wouldn't be as hard on Corda as I think a lot of uh, others might be, given what the scoreline was. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, he's positive signs in terms of the way that he played, um, but I think obviously the result would have hurt him, I think, mentally. So he'll get over that soon. He's young. Um, yeah. but, and hopefully he has that kind of marquee win to then pr propel him uh, forward because he's such a talent. Uh, and I do love watching him play, to be fair. But the run from Nadal was just so... I mean, it, he wasn't playing particularly well the whole tournament, to say the least. I mean, he wasn't really striking yeah. the ball too well. Um, didn't really have a lot of rhythm. I don't know whether... Uh, I know, obviously, in the end, he had the pectoral issue. but And he said that he had trouble breathing in the final. But... It looked like there might be a slight issue with the foot, but he hasn't mentioned it, so I'm not going to say that that's the case. But uh, the way he was serving and it kind of slowed down as the tournament went on, uh, didn't wasn't crunching the ball as well. Against Apelka, it was like, okay, Apelka getting through service games, two tie breaks, and he kind of just managed to get it done. Uh, and then against Kyrgios, it could have gone either way. I think Kyrgios, if he'd 
maybe being as mentally astute as he was in the in the first and second say he probably would have got through that but he didn't manage the points well as you said uh, and mentioned previously as well and then the Alcraz one as well I mean Alcraz at the second set and you actually thought oh with this extreme conditions Alcraz actually seems to be enjoying it but then Rafa found a way again uh, and that's I guess what just what great players do but in the final it was almost like that was one step too far um I mean, he's going he's to miss Miami. He's going to now focus on the clay court season. Will he be, I guess, from a new, from a subjective point of view, I mean, I'm assuming he'll be disappointed, but were you surprised as well with the level he played at uh, throughout the whole tournament, considering how well he's played throughout the year? Or was it it's just a matter of time it was going to start happening? Was I surprised that he he wasn't at his best? Yeah, level, level dropped. Yeah, yeah, I, I was surprised because Acapulco, I thought, was on the moon in terms of what he was doing. Thought that was that was basically a hundred percent of what Nadal's abilities are in, in Acapulco. I guess I didn't take into account how different the conditions are at Indian Wells. You know, they're they're unconventional conditions that I've always thought intuitively that Nadal should like. It's slow. It's high bouncing you'd think Rafa might like that. The the variable that maybe people don't talk about as much are the tennis balls. The fact that, that uh, Indian Wells is a pen tournament and you can actually trace Nadal throughout his career actually complaining about the pen balls, including at Indian Wells in 2015. He did so again after one of his matches. I, I think it was against Korda. Um, this year where he was saying, I'm, I'm not getting the feeling that I normally want to get with the balls. Obviously it's the same for everyone. You figure it out, but at the same time, players have their preferences and it, it seemed like Nadal couldn't consistently control his, uh, his ground strokes when he was looking to attack with them, when he was looking to hit them as hard as he possibly can. And that was kind of a, a common theme throughout the tournament. At times, his serve was was good. Uh, like against Kyrgios in the third set, the serve really kind of got him out of that jam. Uh, the volleys got him out of the jam against Alcaraz. But if you're going to look at the baseline of his game, no pun intended, with his ability to hit dictating forehands over and over again, that was never really there all week long. And yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I thought that we'd get a better version of Nadal and maybe it was the foot, maybe it was the pen balls, maybe it was fatigue. Who knows? Yeah, no, agreed. Well, you have a nice little rest and hopefully be nice and fit for Monte Carlo and we'll see what his schedule's like. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm assuming he's not going to miss any of the uh, Spanish-based events. Uh, that's for sure in Barcelona. Um but I, I'm Madrid. I, I can't see him missing those, but we'll see. Uh, in, in terms of... Uh, let's move on to the WTA, actually. Uh, well, actually, before we do, in the ATP, was any... Apart from... I know you mentioned Ketmanovic, but was there any surprising results or anyone that you thought did impressively well apart from Fritz in the tournament? Hmm, who impressed me? Um, I thought, first of all, it was good for... Uh, for Rublev to transfer his momentum to a master's event. I know, you know, he loses as the favorite in the semifinals, but uh, I, I didn't think it's, I don't look at that as too bad a loss, even though emotionally, I think there's still some development to be had for, for Rublev. Um, 
I would say probably Dimitrov surprised me the most out of everyone taking Djokovic's spot uh, in the draw after the, the late withdrawal. He just seems to really like it at Indian Wells, and he takes out Isner, he takes out Bublik. Um, I, again, it's weird because it's slow and it's gritty, and Dimitrov generally plays a little bit better on a slicker, quicker, low, lower bouncing, but he loves Indian Wells. He always plays well there, and it was big for uh, in terms of points. Not that you know the October Indian Wells points are going to be wiped off uh, in October. So it's not like an immediate defense of points, but Dimitrov made the semifinal uh, in the desert last year in October. So for him to make the quarters here, he's uh, he really minimizes the the amount of rankings points that he he loses. And it was just a really rough start to the season. So we'll see if that we'll see if this tournament is going to get him out of the slump. Yeah. No one feast win, um, like I said to, oh, to you and Amy. But you played pretty well. Alcaraz just too strong, man. Too strong. Oh yeah, so good. Um, and then yeah, you had the upsets. You had Monfils beating beating Medvedev. So mm. as well. yeah, that was that was uh, very interesting to watch. I mean, I haven't seen anyone dispatch Medvedev like that in a, in a while. Just the the way Medvedev lost. I mean, Monfils played. It was like, oh okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, normally expects to be the other round the way that it, it kind of unfolded uh, and Alcraz impressive as always looking forward to seeing him in the in the clay court swing as well uh, on onwards because yeah he's a talent we could talk about him all day he's just so good Tommy Tommy Paul too taking out mm. Zverev deserves a, a shout out he's capable of of great things when the forehand is on um and and we saw it in that match. He's he's really another very talented American player. Yeah, yeah. I, in fact, I'm pretty sure wasn't he? I think he and Fritz were juniors at the same time, so came through at the same time. So yep. interesting to see whether he can follow along the same trajectory um, at some point as well. But yeah, exciting talent as well. Uh, on to WTA side then. So uh, Shrontek, obviously the victor in the end, unbeaten in Master One Thousand tournaments and. She, at 20 years of age, has already won a Grand Slam. I think it's three Masters tournaments. Um, yep. Wow. I mean, she, she she almost went through like a little slump, I felt, in 2021. There was a period where she was losing and not doing as well as I thought she would do. Obviously, in the Australian Open, she made the semis but lost to Collins. She was the favorite there, um, but lost and, and lost in quite like bad fashion in the end. But she just picked herself up, dusted herself off and said, let's go again. And she's adapted really well, I think, to the hard courts. No one really saw her as a hardcore player um, a couple of years ago. Now she just is running through people like it's, uh, well, for fun, really, and adapted her game greatly, really striking the ball well. Obviously, a lot more variety in, than someone like a Sakari, but uh, she did have a losing record, a one to three as well, going into that the head to head. So, a really impressive win and, and tournament as well for her. I'm really impressed. Very, very impressed. She has changed the way she plays on hard court. She's moved up her court position. She's flattened out her forehand. She has been more aggressive in her intention. And that's really, really hard to do for a 20-year-old to kind of change her identity like that. Not only is it 
hard to execute if you decide to do it. It's impressive that she even decided to do it at that age. It's kind of a time in most players' career where they're not making drastic adjustments. They're working on who they are as players and developing the skills that they already have. For Iga to believe in in her team, her coaches, and herself enough to actually really start to play a different brand of tennis in order to improve her hardcore results. That's the kind of thing that we see a player do maybe in their mid to late twenties, generally speaking, she's 20 years old and she's already like, I got to get better on hardcore. What's going on? Completely making sacrifices and going against the instincts that she has developed as a player. And then she can, can execute it. Uh, I mean, for her, it's, the sky's the limit. The talent is crazy. And it's been about the adjustment and then believing in herself because there have definitely been times where she's gotten in her own head. She's very smart. She's a, an intellectual about not only off the court reading books all the time, but also about tennis and how she's doing and how she's playing. And I think there have been times where she has been an overthinker and she's gotten in her own head and she hasn't been confident in herself. When she has been confident, dare I say, she has been untouchable in that state. Uh, when she's played her best, she's been absolutely astonishing. And I, I really, I just hope we get some good matches between Sviatek and Barty, both at their best at this point in time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It'd be great to see them. Uh, in full flow. It's almost like, you know, we, everyone was hoping for a Sakura and Barty to kind of meet when they were both on form and at the top of their game. And obviously, Sakura dropped off a little bit, but she will, um, I'm sure, come back into form. But at the moment, Shriontek's playing fantastic form. She's now number two in the world as well. So it would be number one versus number two. And you just think in the clay court swing as well, it's a really tasty matchup uh, for sure. So hopefully we do see at least... Uh, at least once during the, the clay court season. Um, in terms of others, I mean, Sakari made her first final. She's had a lot of semi-final heartbreak. I mean, obviously last year, match point against Krejcikova and then lost that 9-7 in the final set. I was doing the commentary for it and I was thinking, oh my God, what's going on? She is in front and then she just kind of, well, broke down a little bit, I think. Mentally, she knew she'd been to a lot of semi-finals and the pressure got to her slightly, I think, in that. And obviously losing to the eventual winner in the end. Um, but she's made a lot of semis, finally made a final. I think you could see there are some nerves there as well in the final, um, to be fair to her as well. But a step in the right direction. She's now, I think, number three in the world, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So she's got three spots. So now she's uh, going to be seated really highly as well. That will help her uh, going forward. Uh, were you impressed with her as well? I mean, she's very physical, isn't she? Yeah, I mean, she she should be number three in the world with what she can do. She is probably... You think she's the fastest woman on tour? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think she's definitely the... I think she's the fastest and the fittest I, I probably, so. I think, as well, to be fair. I think she yeah, is. fittest, I don't think anyone would argue. Fastest, maybe. Maybe it's a tougher call, but I, I'd probably go with her. And... Uh, not only is she she fast, she's got a big first serve, not the biggest, but definitely well above average. 
She's got a, a very damaging backhand and uh, a big forehand as well on her. So she has the the offensive capabilities, the defensive capabilities. It's just about shot selection, putting it together. And most importantly for her, it's holding it together mentally. And yeah, it's big for her to come through the the semifinal that she did. Um, and, you know, Rabakina is a good win in the quarters as well. She beats Bedosa decidedly in that third set 6-1. She's just fulfilling kind of her potential that that and and executing the skills that she has. So it's great to see that because I do think she's she's a very good thing for for women's tennis in in the things she does on the court. Because when she's at the top of her game, it can be a pretty unique experience watching her. Yeah, fantastic energy, really. Uh, really gets into it, gets stuck in, uh, kind of wears a heart on her sleeve. She's a fantastic player to watch, uh, very entertaining for sure. And yeah, I think it, hopefully this is now the start of something. She's higher ranked now. Um, if there were any kind of issues with self-belief, that should be kind of dampened now. Uh, given she's made the final, she'll know, okay, yep, I deserve to be, I deserve, I should be making and going deep really in any tournament I enter now. Um, so that would be interesting to see uh, how she now performs going forward um but yeah i mean she said interestingly before the final said i'm 27 said i'm not old but i'm not young either uh she said i should now be kind of coming into my own i think she's right she's now really reached her peak or is in her peak mm -hmm. she now needs to all that hard all the hard yards she put in early in her career she now needs to kind of make count um and it needs to come to fruition now so i think she knows now's the time really to, to go for it so We'll see how she goes. Um, she needs to play better on bad days. I think yeah. that's that's kind of the next step for her. You know, I think the the nerves in the big matches is one thing, but you know, when it's not her day, it ne she needs to do a little bit more. Mm. Um, you know, against Raducanu in the U.S. Open semifinal, for example, yeah. in the final here, you know, clearly matches where she's not feeling the ball as well. But it, yeah. you have to hold it together in the sense where you're still making a lot of balls. You're yeah. still using your speed and your fitness to your advantage. And you're trying to squeeze as much out of yeah. yourself as you possibly can on those days. Do you think she has a lack of a plan B maybe as well? Whereas you know, some other players, they have different looks. They know how to adapt. But with her, she can maybe a bit too one pace as well. Do you know, that's, that's why she's been like that a little bit. She might be one pace. She just somehow when the errors start piling up, it's like an avalanche that sometimes she just doesn't know how to uh, put an end to the avalanche. And I'm, mm. I'm, not, I'm not sure why it is. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, but I'm sure a team uh, know better than us, so maybe I'll try and get them on as well. <laughs> Tom Hill, Tom Hill onto the, uh, the podcast. But yeah, she's training in the right direction for sure. Um, on the other side of it, I mean, I was hoping Coco Goff was going to go deep. I actually went really left field, and I, I think I predicted her to win. Uh, I think in one of my brackets I do online, so um, I put her, but I think Shriontek obviously was my second favorite. I put Nadal as my favorite for the men's, but uh, is it a little bit disappointing? But I mean, she's so young, so it's, it's really difficult to say, okay, we expect it to go so far, but 
She's such a talent. I thought the surface might suit her because she takes quite big swings and it's slower surface. It means she can utilize her forehand more. Um, should she be doing better? And Or is it just a case of, you know, she's young. Just It'll, it'll happen when it happens. Yeah, I, she, she lost to Halep, who went to the semis and was at a mm. really high level. So um, that it's, of course, not really a bad loss from Coco. Yeah. In general, in general, no, I, I don't think she should really be doing better. I think what she can control, she she is controlling well. She still competes really well out there uh, all the time, and she is going to move great. She's going to hit big first serve. She's going to hit her backhand well, but she's going to need to address the, the weaknesses, and she's going to need to hit the forehand better. Uh, she she The second serve has made a lot of progress. It's mostly the forehand that I think is uh, is still not there, and she's extremely young, and there's a lot of time, and I think they're trying to figure it out. And uh, the clay will suit her. I, I think yeah. you're right that this is the kind of tournament that would suit her, so we'll see what things look like on the clay. But I don't think she's underperforming. I don't get that sense. I think that there are technical issues that have been in her game at such a young age that she continues to try to iron out and uh, and it's going to take time. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the only issue is that everyone sees the big first serve. They see how, how fit she is. She's able to move around, get balls, and there's obviously that kind of X factor. And they think, and they want it now, right? They're like, she's got the ability, but it's about piecing it together. So I'm sure she will at some point, uh, but she's got so much time in front of her. So um, yeah, I'm sure it'll come together at some point for sure for her. Uh, and then on the other front, I mean, someone like, obviously there's, I guess, the political and also kind of mental side to it, but someone like Sabalenka has kind of fallen off a cliff, really, hasn't she, this year so far? Yeah, except uh, I think in, in Doha, she did go a match without double faulting, I believe. But, uh... <laughs> is, is that supposed to be in the positive? Is it for a season, Gil? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um... It's, uh, yeah, it's been a mess. It's been a mess. Um, I didn't see it coming. I thought 2021 was extremely positive. She makes the two major semifinals. She's in both of those matches. She starts to kind of deal with a lot of the, the pressure as the favorite a lot better, a lot less bad losses in 2021. I think the serve has just thrown such a wrench in her season. And it's funny because she's always, she's always double faulted a fair amount. Yeah. So it's not a completely new issue, but it just, it reached kind of new heights. And I think so much attention has been put in that area where then you start kind of neglecting other aspects. But then again, she is the kind of player we've seen throughout her career that when it's bad, it's bad. When it's good, it's really, really, really good. good. Yeah. So would I would it be stunning to see suddenly Sabalenka goes from a terrible year where she's slumping to she's gonna win a big title? I, I don't think that would be too shocking. No, no, I agree. I mean people forget she was number two in the world for most mm -hmm. of last year. Like that's how well she was playing. So uh, and, and arguably, she sh probably should have made the final at Wimbledon. She, against uh, Pishkova, she was kind of in front in that semi. And then against Fernandez, I mean, Fernandez played some inspired tennis, so understandable. But again, like, you know, she's a favorite there. She's really upset after that loss. I remember 
because she yep. knew it was a big opportunity. If she wins that, goes into the final against Raducanu, and she would have been the overwhelming favourite. Um, she knew that you know she was the last seed there, but yeah, it's, it's disappointing in a way. She's got a big game, which always does mean that she's going to make some mistakes at times, and the double faults might come. But uh, you just think that there's going to be improvement, right, year on year. That's what they look for. I'm assuming tennis players. What they look for is incremental improvements year on year. And obviously, she's just kind of gone back there. She's taken a couple of steps backwards. Uh, so hopefully, she kind of recoups it because she's a really exciting player to watch, to be fair, uh, on the women's side. So, uh, you know, for me, anyway, personally, I'd like to see her go a bit further, hopefully piece it together. Uh, but the double fault talk, I actually saw, so I follow her on Instagram, and she has made jokes about her double faulting and stuff as well. So when people start doing that on the Instagram and, and kind of noting it, it, to me, it means that it's got to her a little bit. Uh, and P- and she's seeing a lot of the memes. She's thinking about it a lot. She's thinking, oh, people making yeah. fun of me kind of thing. And, oh, you know, okay, you know, I- I'm... And you get inside your own head. There was a match when she was crying from double faulting. I remember. I don't know if that was recently. But, yeah, she broke down in tears because she had double faulted so much. Which is crazy. Everybody, everybody deals with it different. But I think for her, it's always going to be humor. That's how she deals yeah. with things. So yeah. I-, I don't hate it. But, yeah, I do, I do remember, you know, she even... Um, there's a match in Australia where I think she double faulted maybe nine times or eight. Hmm. And she, after the match, she was like in the interview, she put her hands up to celebrate and said, I, I hit single digit double fault. So yeah, she's, she's going to joke around. Um, (laughs) it's just kind of how she rolls. I mean, yeah, yeah. She, she's, she's quite a funny person actually. Yeah, she is. She is. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. The double fault talk continues until until yeah. it stops. <laughs> we'll see. As you said, you pointing out the fact that she went a match without double faulting, I think, kind of says it. But hopefully she's back to near her best anyway at some point. Um, the, the rest of the field, I mean, were you a little bit surprised when Kerber did pretty well in this tournament? I mean, she just seems to be having a bit of an Indian summer. Out of nowhere, she's just, it's really great to see as well. Former one, number one, former multiple Grand Slam champion. She was kind of in the abyss for a while. I think she fell outside the top 30 at some point. She's just come back in the last kind of six to nine months and she's playing some really good tennis. Yeah, it's it's weird how well she plays at Indian Wells because flat hitters really struggle here, uh, but Kerber just doesn't. I mean, Kerber plays really well. And uh, I was able to watch a little bit of the the Sviantec match um, when, I was, when I was there live. Um I don't know, you know, I don't know why things have gone uphill and downhill for her exactly, but I think she's still such a a unique player with the skills that she brings and the way she takes the ball early and redirects and uses the geometry of the court uh, so well with her cross court angles and her precise down the lines. I also thought she looked, she looked pretty good at the U S open as well last summer. So it's weird, you know, I wonder if she just needs to lighten it up on the schedule if and and that's going to be kind of the best thing for her so that she shows up every week that she does play feeling fresh and and locked in and engaged. Then again, you're going to have with her unique game, it's always felt like the surface is pretty important for her. The event is important for her. There are some tournaments where she just seems to always do really well. And there are others where she just seems to not do well. And, and that's something to continue to track. 
Yeah, I agree. It's a style of play, isn't it? Kind of counter-punching. She, which is why it's actually slightly strange she does so well at Indian Wells. It's, it's weird. So slow. Yeah. So uh, it's this Dimitrov thing again, right? It's like the style doesn't quite match up to conditions, but you don't know. It just might be the player goes there and they, and they kind of they like the courts and the atmosphere, and sometimes that is enough to mentally kind of make them play well enough, right? It's kind of they just they're feeling good just whilst they're there. Yeah, that's what Sometimes Grigor said. It, that's what Grigor yeah. said. He said, like, I just love it here. So that's it. Uh, yeah. And and I think the question was open-ended. It was like, why do you play well here? And he wasn't like, I like the conditions. He was just like, I like the mountains. Uh, so <laughs> Yeah, exactly, right? So it's, and that always supersedes the kind of style uh, matchup, which is, which is always great as well to see because you see um, – and it, it, it doesn't – it's not logical, right? But it's great to see because it is that kind of mm – -hmm. uh, affinity to to a place which is great and and paula bedosa played pretty well as well obviously making the semis as well and uh, she is uh, it's great to see her i think coming into some form the last kind of six or nine months as well because she again had loads, loads of issues she was such a good junior didn't manage to kind of do too much meant uh, struggled with mental issues as well now she has kind of recovered she's playing well she's confident and you know she's really well last year she won indian wells last year against Azarenka in that great final. Made the semis here again, went to three with Sakari. Um, she's looking pretty good. And I, I'm kind of fancy she might potentially win some major titles uh, this year again, I feel. Uh, she's a really, really powerful and, and talented player. I like how a lot of these younger players, uh, or the, a lot of the players we're talking about right now, are uh, have very, very complete and and elite level skills from an offensive and a defensive perspective uh bedosa moves very well and she has a big first serve and she's got a a, a great forehand and a good backhand um and sviantek moves as well as anyone and also has that baseline firepower and sakari has that and Barty has that there is, I, I feel like there's been an era post Serena where I think the tour has actually lacked that, that there have been a lot of players who are much more offensively minded, some players who are more defensively minded. We know that the best players should have that two way, a two way game about them. And I think Bedosa um, does have that. Uh, I would like. Uh, and I, I do think the sky is the limit because of that. There's very few weaknesses and uh, slash holes in her game. I really do love the way she serves. I think that's still underrated. And not only the first serve that she can she can hit the flat, she can hit the slice. She also has a kick serve, which a lot of players on um, on the WTA side kind of uh, would love to have uh, a kick serve that is difficult to attack. Very. Very, very key for her. And uh, she loves the clay. So it's a big couple of months coming up for her. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah, very well said about the serve. I mean, very dynamic and uh, it's such a weapon. Um, it really is one of the best on tour, I think, on the women's side for sure. Um, and she's definitely coming strength to strength. So let's see how she goes. Um, in terms of like surprises, in terms of players that you thought did a bit better this tournament, um, I mean, I don't know if Halep is one because, she, yeah, she's ranked outside the top 25. Obviously, she's a Grand Slam champion and former number one, etc. But 
Um, I guess her and anyone else as well that you picked out and thought they had a good run. Yeah, Halop. I I wouldn't say I was uh, surprised by by Halop. Uh, Petra Martic and Veronica Kudermatova yeah. are are probably the two players who who went deep that I might not have expected. Martic has really struggled. Uh, has not been, you know, I mean, she was top twenty for two years in like I think it was twenty nineteen and then twenty twenty. She was in the top twenty. And uh, it's been it's been rough for her since then. I mean, she she's so much variety, heavy topspin on the forehand, a really good slice backhand, drop shots, net play. Um, but it's a uh, it's a lot to put together for her, and sometimes the basics haven't quite been there. So Martic has a great run, and uh, she's got a really entertaining game. I think is what I'm trying to get at, uh, and I believe she did come through qualifying even to uh, to get here. And then Kudermatova yep. has had a really hot start to the year again. She had a hot start last year in 2021 and just didn't keep up the pace. So now she's she's in the same position again. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. Good to see some, uh, well, not so well-known names, I think, kind of uh, mm -hmm. go deep as well. Um, in these tournaments, there's always uh, some great stories for sure. Um, yeah, that's all in Indian Wells. Uh, thanks very much, Gil. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks very much, Gil. That's all from me. Is there anything you want to touch upon? No, we've uh, we've hit it all. Fun as always. Always uh, always appreciate coming on here. Uh, thanks so much, Gil. Really appreciate it, guys. Of course, as well. If you haven't already, which I'm sure you have, do check out Gil Gross on YouTube and also Gil underscore Gross on Twitter. Um, and I think on podcast platforms, Monday Match Analysis as well. Uh, if you don't mind as well, do drop us a like and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube and any podcast platforms, do follow us. Well, if you're listening or watching, do follow us, subscribe, and I don't know, leave a review if it's on Apple Podcasts. Uh, but yeah, do appreciate it. Stay safe and well, guys, and we'll see you on the next video.